Welcome everyone to the next episode of TC Spotlight, where we shine the spotlight on people doing interesting and positive things in the Twin Counties. We're joined today by Adrienne Copeland. She's the president of Preservation Rocky Mount. And today we're hoping to dig into some downtown development. Uh, but before we do that, Adrienne, could you tell us how you ended up in the Twin Counties? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, first off, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so I ended up here because what happened was my sister was getting married to a guy who's from here his whole life. And around about the same time, I was getting divorced. And I said, all right, I guess I'm moving to Rocky Mount. And that was in 2016. And I just fell in love with the place the first time I, met, I came here. And so I was like, yep, this is home. So what, what did you fall in love with? Well, m my sister and her new husband, they knew I loved old houses. And so they immediately took me around to the Villa Place area and drove me downtown. And I was just blown away at how many old architectural resources uh, are here. And they're being underutilized. And it's a small town, you know. It's, it's small enough that everybody knows each other, grew up together, it's still big enough that we have all the amenities and we're close to Raleigh, we're close to the beach, but I love the small town feel of this place and everyone is just so unbelievably nice. How could you not love it here? And, and where were you, you might have said it, where did you come from? I was living in New Jersey and that was awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I've lived all over, but I'm originally from Greensboro, Burlington, that kind of area. I've lived all over the state. Oh, so Greensboro to New Jersey. Well, yeah, Greensboro. Well, it's Greensboro by way of Georgia and Miami and Colorado. And so there, really I've been have, all you've over been the everywhere. place. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, how did you get interested in historical preservation? Well, I've Just always... Just HGTV? Oh, good Lord, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I mean, that sort of like brought me into how to, how to fix up houses, but I've always loved old houses and old architecture, you know, it's something that's so unbelievably different than any of the new stuff. Everything new and new construction, while it's new and it's clean and it's safe and everything works, to me it just always felt hollow and soulless, you know. And, um, and even as a kid, I remember looking at, you go to older areas like Charleston or Savannah, and you would think, wow, these houses are so old. But if you tried to build one exactly like it, it wouldn't look the same. And why is that? So that led me to research old historic methods and how to preserve them and that kind of thing. And it just sort of blossomed from there. Are there any uh, buildings or architectural styles in Rocky Mount that you're particularly fond of well that's the cool thing about Rocky Mount is that its heyday was booming in like the teens and 20s and 30s you know that's when you know the railroad had took off and so we're moving into that tobacco growth and that's really my favorite sort of style you know is the late Victorian you've got the prairie style which most people will call it like an American Foursquare the little craftsman bungalows all of that is what the most of what Rocky Mount has and that's that's my jam right there teens and 20s so I asked someone this question previously, what is a bungalow? Okay, that's a hotly contested issue. The word comes from um, an Indian word, which was describing houses, and it was called something like Bengalay. And it's basically a little one-story roof house where the front porch is encompassed into that roof. You know, And so it's just a small little house, one-story porch underneath it. And so, but most people, when they, when they're referring to a bungalow, they mean a little small arts and crafts kind of house, a little craftsman house. Got it. So a cute little house. A yeah, a that's, cute that's little that's house. People will use the term. There is no standard, what is a bungalow, but that's generally what people it's mean. Just, it's one of those words that gets, seems it gets thrown on every Zillow it, it, well, Yes, it is because it's, yeah, that and cottage. What is a cottage? What you is know? a cottage? Yeah. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about Preservation Rocky Mount, what its goals are, how long it's been in existence, and what, sure. what its future looks like? Sure. Okay, so it was started right around, I think, 1996 to 1998. It was formed by a group of people who were really, really involved in the community and saw several historic properties that were, you know, in threat of being demolished and lost forever. And so they came together and formed this nonprofit and really worked to save specific buildings. Several of them were downtown buildings. Uh, and the old, the house, you know, on uh, Church Street, there's the house that's right beside the fire station, the fire mm-hmm. museum. That's called the, they call that the Summerlin House. They were instrumental in getting that one saved. And there was a building, several buildings downtown, Monique Brown's building downtown. Mm-hmm. That was one of them. So, and over the years, they opened up a salvage store because a lot of houses that were being torn down, you know, especially in the mill area, they had still a lot of character. It's still a lot of uh, architectural details that didn't need to go into the landfill. So they opened up a store for architectural salvage, really to be used as a public a public service, especially for the people who lived in the mill houses. Instead of having, you can't find a window to replace that, so you could go and go into the store and find a cheap window for like I don't know ten bucks, you know, and fix up your house historically in a historically accurate way. So um, over the years, it's focused on some programs, how to get your windows working, and tours of local historic landmarks, like the uh, Mangorum Drugstore downtown and the Stonewall House, things like that. Uh, And so right now our focus is our store and keeping that alive, uh, because right now we're having to move spaces. The space isn't quite safe anymore, and so we need to find a new location. So that's our focus right now, but hopefully we can get that up and running in full swing again. Uh, start up our salvages again where we can get inventory for the store and save structures that are headed to the landfill and open it up to more programming to educate people on the historic treasures that we have right here in Rocky Mount. So did I see online that you've you've gone to school to learn about historic preservation? I did, yeah. So when I first moved here, uh, Edgecombe Community College had a historic preservation trades program. Did they, is that program still in existence? It is not. Sadly, it's not. Uh, the director of the program, Monica, um, Monica Fleming, has retired. And so the school, I think, maybe wasn't sure what to do with the program. It's quite sad. I hope they do something with it, at least keep it in like an edge. Uh, continuing education program, something like that. But I learned so much there, and I was really, really thankful to have that resource so close to home. And at the time, it was only one of five programs that focused on the trades in the whole country. Yeah, so what what kind of things did you learn in the program? So historic carpentry and buildings, so the historic methods of how those were built because they didn't use modern tools, Uh, how to read an old house, how to see what tools were used, and how to date the houses specifically researching those houses, how to find the deeds, how to trace the story of the house, who lived there, and it's and more about the cultural, the landscaping, the landscapes, what they call it, uh, of the area, like what would have been there? What's the fabric of the house? What sort of furnishings would be there? What sort of land, uh, your, your plantings in your yard would be there? The materials that would be used, the type of people, their jobs, what they lived, where they lived, what types of things they did. It's really all, it's like a history class, but really focusing on that architecture aspect of it. It was really, really cool. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the biggest difference, in your opinion, between a new house and an old house? I, it's The biggest difference for me is 
Well, it's, it's sort of twofold. So it, it focuses on in the, okay, so before you had the advent of modern technology with modern building materials like steel, steel I-beams, you were really limited at what your building materials could do. So how much a span of a, of a beam, how much it could take a, a wooden beam, and how much of a rock wall could hold, and you would use things like arches to span and hold, hold large spans and hold heavy loads. Um, so when you when you use when you deviate from that and you get into the modern construction it's not what it's like it moves into what can we possibly do and so there's a shift there because when you use the natural building products it's it's how our humanity evolved how our species evolved you're looking at nature what's possible in nature and what isn't possible in nature so there's a disconnect there so you see in nature things like the golden ratio you know that kind of stuff well that's there and that exists because that's that is what nature can handle what nature produces so when you see that it makes sense to your eye there's proportions there so when you change that into modern building materials all the rules are scrapped and you can appreciate that it's very very cool you can do awesome things with architecture now that are completely you would never ever find in nature you would never ever find in the natural world but also this older style of tech the older style of building adds in the historic proportions they add math and science back from the ancient greeks they use the classical orders in building so you have this what the natural building materials can produce coupled with the design aspect from the ancient greeks to make it look good honestly mm -hmm. and so all of it is is it's a it's harmonious to me you know whereas the new stuff to me it just it's all about what we could do and maybe not what we should do that's that's a really good answer i like that um can you tell us about some of the some of the wins in Rocky Mount? Some of the like you mentioned a couple uh, houses that were preserved. Are there any are there any developments happening right now? Any developments that previously happened that uh, have really enhanced the downtown area, but some of these historic neighborhoods? Well, I, I would say overall, there. I mean, and a lot of people who are local will remember this. The biggest win I can think is for Stonewall Manor when they were putting in 64. That was on the roadblock to be uh, just completely demolished. They were planning on running I-64 completely through that front yard, or actually through the whole house. And so that was a big win, you know, for saving that. And that was part of that movement in the 60s for historic preservation. And so. That, that's a big one for me. Um, I also think that when we're looking at some of these downtown buildings, when we've instituted the, the local historic districts, you know, and got them on the National Register of Historic Places, it, that was a big one. And that's, that happened in the mid-90s, that movement sort of happened here, to really recognize what assets we have here and say, hey, these things are worth saving. This is something because a lot of times we're blind to what we see every day, and it brought some awareness to the treasures that we have here in Rocky Mount. So some homes, I've noticed, say they're on a historic listing. Uh, what's the process for getting a home declared? Is it, is it just you just declare it, or is there a state registry that you have to apply to have the home put on? Well, it all goes through the... Uh, the uh, U.S. Secretary of Interior, that's the office uh, 
that that oversees it all. So you what you would do is you would go through the state, the state, the uh, Department of uh, Natural and Cultural Resources has a state historic preservation office. They have a study list that they've gone through back in, I think, the 70s they started and really tried to inventory everything they thought is worthy of being on the list. And some are the study lists and some are not. But you would initially make an application to them, and they would make a determination of whether or not there is significance for your property, for the whole neighborhood. And then you can, if, if they determine there is worthy of some sort of significance, and it can be architectural, it can be historical, maybe like who lived there, did George Washington sleep there, is it tribal related, there's a couple of different categories, and then you could do put in an application to see if it can be put on the register. Gotcha. Um, so you have a couple properties, downtown historic properties, is that correct? Yeah, I have some that are, not all of them, but I do have some that are in the Villa Place National Register. And National Register District, and so there, you wouldn't, you might not know it driving by because they've uh, several been uh, quite neglected. But yeah, they are. So I'm working to fix those up. So what goes into a rehab? Is it is it just uh, like HGTV? You show up three days later, the kitchen's redone, everything's. <laughs> oh, I wish. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No. It's uh. Well, and here's the thing: is I do things a little differently. So. First off, I want the ones that are historic, and I want the ones that are in really, really bad shape, the complete dumps, you know. And so when they're in a historic district, there are some some guidelines you have to follow. You do have to uh, submit. Who, who sets those guidelines? Is that okay. the state? Uh, no, it's going to be the local historic preservation commission. And so there's some guidelines you have to follow, but it's really just exterior things. You can do whatever you want on the interior. So you do have to make sure you get a certificate of appropriateness if your house falls in one of the local historic districts that's under uh, the the purview of the Historic Preservation Commission. But other than that, I I go in and I like I said, I want the ones that are total dumps, you know, because I want to save them. That's the whole reason I do this. It's not really. To, I mean, I would like to make money, but so far I'm not. Um, <laughs> I would, I would like, I want to save these houses. So I want to pick the ones that are historic and they're on the demolition list. They are at really, really at risk of being gone forever. And so I go in and I know I'm going to replace absolutely everything. They're going to need a roof. They're going to need all new electrical. They're, you know, your mechanicals, your HVAC, your, uh, it's going to need insulation. It's going to need, there's usually termite damage and a lot of rot, tons of water, you know, but I do it in a way that I can keep it as close to historic as I can while being reasonable. And so it's uh, not a restoration. It's it's a rehab. So yes, I'm going to put in a dishwasher and modern electric and things like that. So it's a huge process, but I think it's really, really rewarding, especially for stabilizing the neighborhood because every house that you save is is one house that stays and keeping the fabric and the street streetscape of that community intact. So if you drive around downtown, you'll occasionally see, occasionally the the, the dilapidated building. Oh yeah, a lot. I'd say more than occasionally. Yeah. yeah. How do you? So like, who did you buy your properties from? Is are these properties that because they're neglected, does somebody actually own them? Is does the city own them? Are they? Is it kind of a hodgepodge of like is tracking down that owner to try to buy that property? the most difficult part of the process? Yeah, 100%. That's the most difficult process. They're, they're, it's all over the place who owns them. Um, in, in my case, I the first I was looking for two years before I finally found a house that I wanted to get and could get for an affordable price for me. So, uh, And I, I picked that house. It was a foreclosure. 
So it was a bidding war with, you know, the bank, the foreclosure, that kind of thing. So I ended up getting it. I think I paid too much, but <laughs> but I got it. And so then what I started doing is looking around uh, my street. And I said, you know, I could get this one across the street. It's been empty for years. I could get one, you know, just a couple doors down. That's been empty for years. And so what I do is I pick out the ones I want first. You know, I do scan, you know, when there's realtor listings or off-market listings by investors or wholesalers, that sort of thing. But I mostly find the ones I want first. And then, you know, I did take a class in, in researching properties, so I'm pretty good at tracking people down. Um, one of them was owned by a bank, and I just kind of kept hounding people, you know, like, hey, 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 can I buy it, can I buy it, can I buy it? And they finally sold it to me. Um, one, I put in an offer, and I lost, but the owner, the person who had the contract eventually, like, they just, I don't know, ghosted, went away, you know, and so I just kept an eye out, and one day I saw a, a crew out there cutting the grass, and I was like, hey, 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 what's going on? What's, who hired you? What's happening with this house? And so a lot of it is just that, just you see people, and just don't be afraid to ask somebody, hey, what's going on with this house? And then one, I did some research, and never, ever could find the guy, and finally did some research and found his mom. I called his mom, and <laughs> And she got me in touch with him, and then the guy sold me the house. So I heard you say in a conversation to someone, uh, you like colorful homes. Uh, I do. I do. I don't I, I don't like it when they're all plain white houses. I like colors. I try to pick things that are somewhat historically accurate. I'm not trying to just paint them like Painted Ladies or Rainbow Road just to be different. Um, but I do paint my house. I do not use white trim. I'll use a buttery cream if I want to use that. <laughs> but I, I feel like with, if the, all the work I'm doing into these houses and, and this particular street, it needs to show to everyone riding down there that something's happening here. So if you are used to driving down a street and you see nothing but white vinyl siding, and then all of a sudden you see a house that's, you know, purple, you know, actually it's plum brown, but, you know, <laughs> and, and green and burgundy and, you know, like you'll see, wow, something's happening here. So I do paint my houses in eye-catching ways to signal to everyone, hey, like there's investment happening here. There's revitalization happening here. So say they said, Adrian, you're now in charge of downtown development. Mm -hmm. What is it? What is it that you would like to see happen to encourage investment in these rehabs? Uh, but also, what would what would help the people trying to do the rehabs? How how can you? Uh, what if if Preservation Rocky Mount, you know? took over, what is it they, what's the first thing you would do to, to really get the ball rolling on what you're doing, but on a much bigger scale? Oh, wow. Okay. So the first thing I would do is I, if I had the power, I would really focus on the absentee owners and the owners that are sitting on these properties and not paying taxes and not keeping up their houses. Really focus on that. Uh, I'm glad to see that our city is starting to, um, restart the tax foreclosure process because that was sort of set aside for several years maybe 20 years now and I think that um, while there was good intentions there I think it's allowed some owners to sit and even speculators to sit on these properties and let them like just become deteriorated and dilapidated and if we can get a hold of those properties again and put them into the hands of people who really do want to fix them up we'd see a lot bigger and faster movement with the revitalization in the area uh, i would also like to see you know a better pr campaign 
with historic preservation because that's one of the greatest things that, that we have about our downtown, especially Main Street, is the intact buildings that haven't been remodeled so heavily, especially on their facades over the years. So marketing to these companies that want to come in or these uh, uh, businesses, investors that want to come in and, and capitalize on that historic look because you just can't buy it anymore because it's not built anymore like we were talking about before. Uh, so I would focus on that, really uh, focus on the assets that we have. And then I would take another hard look at the grants and incentives that we have. There are some facade grants. There are um, business investor grants with residential, uh, but they really aren't as effective as I think that they could be. There is a um, there is a a push to go for residential first and commercial second that you know if the people live there then the rest of the businesses will come and I, I kind of think there needs to be a shift towards let's get commercial uh, let's get commercial entities in here let's get businesses let's get restaurants the dry cleaners the Chinese takeout let's get all those in there and make it a destination for our residents first and that will attract other people then people will want to move down there and live down there and then as far as incentives um, I think a lot of these buildings are going to need a whole, whole lot of work, and we're not just talking $100,000. I mean, we're talking about a couple million, at least just for each building. So I think the incentives that we have, you know, that's 20 grand, 30 grand here and there, I think there really needs to be a much bigger push because the traditional incentives that you see in downtown areas have a lot to do with um, – uh, like an abatement of taxes or, you know, it's pushing off your taxes. But our taxes, you know, compared to what our values are, are very, very low. So that's not enough to attract big-time investors because there's not really that incentive there. You know, if your tax bill is going to be $3,000 and then once you fix it up, it's going to be, you know, $8,000. Well, but if you're putting in millions, that's, that's not an incentive. So I think we need to rethink the incentives that we have or – you know, maybe we do a lot of work ourselves and you know, push that infrastructure, push things that are big ticket items that people don't really, you know, can't afford to pay for because a lot of these old buildings, you know, things like uh, fire suppression systems. I mean, those stuff like that is super, super expensive. And maybe we could focus on helping these investors with these big ticket items like that, you know. So, yeah, overall revamping our, our incentive process. So right now, are the people who are buying the properties to rehab them do they tend to be individuals or do they tend to be corporations is it it always it you know sometimes if if someone talks about it it sounds like it's you know shadow money coming from raleigh and it's some big conglomerate but but then people like you are clearly also doing this work so um with with that those grants you're talking about with the incentives should the target be at the individual or are because of the million dollar tag is is it really is it really only big corporations that could make this happen I, honestly i think it's a mix it's a mix that's happening and it's a mix that should go forward if you have uh, and maybe there is shadow money coming in i, I don't know um, but i think if you if you have just one sort of demographic that you're that you're looking for you know then you're then you're not you're not going to get the outcome that you need because it takes a diversity of types of incomes, types of investors. You need the big corporate money and you need the small mom and pop kind of money who want to fix stuff up, you know, because if you just have these big corporations, these huge, huge deep pocket investors coming in, you're going to get a very corporate outcome. You're going to get something that, you know, maybe they do want to just re, you know, rehab something that, 
would be what what you see like a you know a baby gap or or you know some you know big high end retail chain store is going to come in which it's good to have some of that but the but you you got to look at what the outcome of of this area this neighborhood is going to be and we need the small time shops we don't need all restaurants because what happens in the mornings nobody's there in the morning you know we do need office space we need uh, we need places where people like residential places we need little restaurants we need little law firms we need all different kinds of stuff. And bigger investors are going to go for the big time, you know, mixed use developments where it's live work. But is that going to include, you know, the, the little small, small guy investor who just wants to take this small building and make a little ice cream shop, you know? And I think the city is focusing on that, but they, but I would love to see, you know, an incorporation of, well, first off, a, a plan. We've got to have a plan because you know, going forward, and there's not really a cohesive one right now or concise. And so I'd like to see that and then really attracting all types of investors. So if someone's listening to this and either they're interested in joining Preservation Rocky Mount and helping that, or they're interested in trying to rehab a property downtown, what's the first step they should take? Let's start with the rehab downtown. So if, if somebody, like you said, you know, I guess finding the owner, um, but you having gone through a couple of them, uh, what would you what would you tell that person who really has the dream of wanting to fix up one of these homes? Well, if you want to be here in Rocky Mount, I would say learn about what makes Rocky Mount great. Learn about why our buildings are so special downtown and educate yourself on the history of that building and educate yourself on the architectural aspects of that building and make sure that you retain that because if you change too much, then you've lost the very thing that brought you here in the first place. And then Preservation Rocky Mount, how does someone join that? You can you can give me a call. You can go on, we have a website, it's preservationrockymount.org. Uh, you can send us an email, info at preservationrockymount.org. You can contact any one of our board members and say, hey, I would like to join, you know, but you can join online and we can take a your membership fee right online and you can join. All right, last question. You mentioned some of the, the history of some of these buildings. Um, Howe Street, can you tell us a little bit about Howe Street and its history? Was it was it originally designed uh, as homes for workers who were working at the mills, or was it uh, were these like custom-made homes? Can you just a little bit about your, your street? Yeah, sure. So it was a uh, planned development, uh, and it was always going to be called Villa Place. It was around 1906-07 is when the area was platted out and um, divided off into lots. And it was it was really uh, not specifically for workers, but it was going to be your middle class, upper middle class sort of thing. And and uh, because the established uh, neighborhood at that time, the higher class neighborhood, was going to be Edgemont. Um, so, but in in the area, it was it was owned by people who uh, worked for railroads, uh, in a office type position in a railroad, or there was also also engineers. But the, um, the my house I lived in was owned by the mayor of uh, no sorry he was the fi- he was the police chief of Rocky Mount. Another house I own uh, I'm working on was owned by the an alderman and a mayor. Of Rocky Mount, so it was it was one of the nicer neighborhoods, but it, it was kind of interesting because n- the entire neighborhood wasn't built out all at once. You just bought a lot, built yourself a little house, and some of the lots were owned by people, and nothing was built on them until the 50s. So it's 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 pretty uh, I'll say d- 
diverse, a conglomerate of different types of styles of houses. But that's really the history of that little neighborhood. What's the oldest home on the street? Do you know? Uh, yeah, mine is one of mine is the oldest home on the street, and it was around 1913 is about when it was built. Gotcha. Um, well, is there anything else you want to say about the work you're doing or uh, encouraging people to, to get involved in helping with downtown development? I, you know, honestly, I, I would encourage you to, like, think twice about that rundown old house because it's got – it's going to be – superior in the building materials and yes it's going to take some work and it's kind of scary but everything shouldn't be demolished a lot of things really really can be saved and so uh and i know it's it's kind of scary and people don't know where to start um but that's also why i have a youtube channel called adrian loves old houses and that's where i like to detail the process of how i go through these houses and the challenges you know that i find and all and the cool thing about it is Everything I do is in Rocky Mount, so you get to see me like and the work happening right here in our town. So that's YouTube.com backslash YouTube Adrian Loves Old Houses. Adrian Loves Old Houses. Yeah. Gotcha. Please like and subscribe. And hit the isn't there and a hit that little bell, bell if you want to be notified. <laughs> but yes. Uh, well, thank you, Adrian, for joining us. That that was very informative. It sounds like we need to get uh, Edgecombe Community College to restart this program. We do. We do. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go check out her YouTube channel uh, and also Preservation Rocky Mount. Uh, and um, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us, Adrian. Thanks a lot.